You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, it's Advent in here. Now, if we, can, if we listen closely in the church, we can hear Christmas on the way. And I don't think we have to listen that carefully to hear Christmas on the way outside the church, anywhere that's selling something. We're in full swing. But we have set aside the next four Sundays to get ready. That's what Advent is. It's getting ready, preparing our hearts for the gifts of Christmas as, as much as we can for Jesus coming to us because he is the one who comes. That's what Advent means, coming. And, it, and the theme that runs through today and next Sunday and the two Sundays after is that Jesus still comes, that he has come, and that he will come again. First, 2,000 years ago. And really, the last two Sundays in, in Advent talk about this, the Sundays of John the Baptist getting ready for Christmas. But Jesus still comes today to us, and he will come again in glory. That second coming is what we get next week. But today, with the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, we are to consider how it is that Jesus continues to come to us, to be with us and to bless us and keep us as his own dear children and his own saints in these, in these last days. Because Jesus, as he promised, has not left us as orphans. He's not abandoned us, but he's near to us. In fact, this is what St. Paul preaches, Romans chapter 10. This is a glorious passage. He says, don't say in your hearts, who's going to ascend up into heaven to bring Christ down? Or who's going to climb down into the abyss to bring Christ back up from the dead? But what does it say? It says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So Jesus draws near to us in the word preached. It's really quite stunning. And he draws near to us in his supper with his body and blood. Now there's this ancient, very old connection between the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and the church celebrating the Lord's Supper. Remember how it was when Jesus rode down that side of the Mount of Olives and down through the Kidron Valley and up into Jerusalem and there was crowds of people before him and after him and they were throwing their cloaks on the on the road and cutting branches for the donkeys to walk on and they they were following him singing. Verses from Psalm 118, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Well, from, as far as we can tell, the oldest days of the church, I mean, this is old stuff before we were writing things down where these things sort of started. From the beginning of the liturgy, the church has been singing that same song as we prepare to come to the Lord's Supper. It's in the Sanctus. First, we sing the Isaiah 6, the song that Isaiah sang when he saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple. Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, heaven and earth are full of your glory. And then we sing the same song that those people sang on that triumphal entry day, the first Palm Sunday. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. 
Blessed is he, blessed is he, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Because here comes Jesus, riding into our midst, not not riding on a donkey this time, but riding on bread and wine to come and bless us. So we rejoice that Jesus continues to come to meet us, that Jesus continues to come to us, that Jesus is is pleased to be found in our midst. But the, the question, I think the crucial question for us to ask is why? What is Jesus coming to do? Why, why, why did he come the first time? Why does he continue to come and why is he coming back? If Advent is about how Jesus came to us in his birth and how he comes to us today in word and sacrament and how he'll come again, we want to know why. What does he come to do? It seems to us, at least if we take a step back and think about it, that the coming of God into our midst is not necessarily good news. Now, this is certainly true if you're pagan. If you're, if you're a pagan and, and you hear the, someone comes and preaches to you, the, whatever sort of pagan church they have and pagan pastor, and he stands up and he says, Zeus is coming. You say, uh-oh, <laughs> that's not good news. Or if you were in the, if you if you were listening to the preaching in the mosque and you heard that Allah will be here soon, that is also not that comforting. It's frightful. But even even in the preaching of the prophets, the the come the, the announcement of the coming of God into the midst of His people is oftentimes a warning. God visiting His people is just as likely to end up in the destruction of the place. We had it's a beautiful Old Testament passage today from Jeremiah 23 where he talks about the, the Lord's name is our righteousness and he'll raise up for, from Judah a righteous branch. This is the beautiful preaching of the gospel by the prophet Jeremiah who was, remember, preaching right at the time of Daniel, right when the, right when the people were going to be walloped by the Babylonians and hauled away into captivity and the tree, uh, the, 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 the nation is pictured like a tree and it's going to be cut down. But then Jeremiah says there'll be a, a There'll be a root, a branch from the root that will grow. That's Jesus, the branch from the root. But most of the time when Jeremiah was preaching, he was preaching the strict warning. He was calling the people to repentance so that they wouldn't, so that this destruction wouldn't come upon them. And it's a warning then that Jeremiah says when, when, when God comes into the midst, it's, it means trouble. Here's a little bit of Jeremiah's preaching. This is from Jeremiah chapter seven. I just grabbed some of Jeremiah this morning to give you an example of this. Jeremiah says, Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. You'll steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make an offering to Baal, go after other gods that you haven't known, and then come and stand before me, the Lord says, in this house, which is called by my name and said, Say, we're delivered. And only go on doing all of these abominations? Has this house which has been called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. So the Lord says, you're, you're going to go out and live however you want to live. You're going to do whatever you want to do. You're going to break all my commandments. And then you're going to come here into church and hear the good news that you're delivered. No, it can't, it's not going to be like this. So then listen to what the Lord says. He says, I want you guys to take a field trip. I want you to go from Jerusalem over to Shiloh. 
This is how it is, verse 12. Go to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name and in the place which you trust and to the place that I gave you and your fathers, just like I did to Shiloh. I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen and all the offspring of Ephraim. The the Lord says, go and visit Shiloh and just see how it was there. That's where the the Ark of the Covenant rested first. That's where God's presence was in Israel. And now, at this time, 586 B.C., it's just a pile of rocks, a haunt, like the Bible likes it, a haunt of jackals. The wild animals lived there. There's not even any gardens. It's just wilderness. Go and visit Shiloh and look at the place where the people trusted then. Go and see how it was and see how my wrath visited them and know that just how Shiloh is now, that's how Jerusalem is about to be. (laughs) In other words, when Jeremiah tells the people that God is coming, they have to say, oh no, it's trouble. He comes with wrath. He comes with judgment. He comes with anger. He comes with rebuke. He comes to punish sin. And and then when we think about what God should do when he comes to visit us, we should shudder. Especially as we consider our own sin. As, as we know that we also have broken God's law, that we have not kept his commandments. And, and, and not only as we consider the, the depravity that is in us, but as we also consider the holiness that is in God, how he's perfect and pure, and we are defiled and unclean and sinners. These things cannot go together. Moses gave the warning, nobody can see the face of God and live. And it's not because the face of God is destructive, it's because we're sinners. We're corrupt. We're dying. We're we're deserving of his wrath. We are born, we are by nature children of wrath. We are, the Bible describes us, according to our, our nature, the enemies of God. Which means that the coming of God should be, the coming of God into our midst should be one of the most terrifying things for us to think about. The news that Jesus is coming should make us terrified. But that's why we have the Scriptures. In fact, that's why we have the triumphal entry. See, your King comes to you humble and riding on a donkey. Jesus comes in peace. He's not not riding into Jerusalem on a war horse at the head of an army to conquer? He comes on a donkey to be the sacrifice, to be the Savior. Jesus is on a rescue mission, and he's still on a rescue mission. He's coming to get you, not to destroy you, but to save you, to deliver you. That's the why. Why does Jesus come? 
It's why he was in the manger, and it's why he was riding on a donkey, and it's why he was on the cross, and it's why he's, it's why he's in the bread and the wine. If we, if we could go back and walk alongside of Jesus as he's riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, you could just imagine it, and you look up at him and you say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? He would look down and say to you, I'm here to rescue you. If we could, if we could stand at the foot of the cross and, and look up at Jesus and say, what are you doing? He would say, I am rescuing you. I'm delivering you from your sin. I'm saving you from death and from the power of the devil, and from hell itself, and the corruption of the grave, and the fear of it. I am here to save. And dear saints, that's the good news. It's not, it's not just the news that Jesus is coming, but that he comes to save. That he's on a rescue mission, and that he's got his eye on you, that you are the object of his salvation. There's a point in the Gospel of Luke where, it's like right in the middle, I think it's Luke chapter 9, where Luke tells us that Jesus uh, set his face to go to Jerusalem. And from that point on, it's like Jesus is just laser-focused on getting to Jerusalem, laser-focused. It's almost like he can see the cross, and, and, and there's a sense of that. Even while he's riding into Jerusalem on the donkey, that he has his eye on the cross, but, but it's not just his eye on the cross. He has his eye on the cross because he knows that on the cross, he wins your life. On the cross, he wins your salvation. On the cross, he saves you. So that the whole time he's got his face set towards Jerusalem, he has his face, dear saints, set towards you. To come and rescue you. To be against all odds. To be your Savior. It's what he does on the altar. He has his eye set on you to put into your mouth his body and his blood with the promise your sins are forgiven. And even now as Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father preparing to come back in glory, he has his eye on you to rescue you, to deliver you, and to save you. So rejoice. Daughter of Zion, rejoice. Holy Christians, rejoice. Because your king comes to you. Humble. Lowly. Peaceful. To rescue you. To die for you. To forgive you. And to save you. To Christ be the glory. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.